Did you come expecting to hear the Word of God? You know, so as we uh, look into the Word of God, we always pray this privately, that it's not our voice that you hear, that the Holy Spirit speaks through our voice. And that he takes, you know, sometimes in a certain amount of words, you look at this word count on these documents and you think it's 3,000 words, Lord. There's sounds like a lot, but really, you try to say something that you want everybody to be ministered to. And so we pray that the Lord would just take, it's like the loaves and the fish, you know, that it's like, this is what I'm giving, Lord, but you can multiply it and make it food and minister spiritually, uh, make it the bread of life to people this morning. And so if you have your Bible with you, and you should, if you're coming to this church for any length of time, you know that we encourage you to get a Bible of your own or use an electronic device. Um, am I a little bit, do I sound extra loud? It seems like I'm, sound good? All right. First John, guess what? We're in First John this morning. <laughs> Making our way through First John chapter four. We're going to be looking at verses 13 to 21. And truly, if you don't have a Bible with you, raise your hand. The usher will give you a Bible. It is so important that we know our way around the Bible. These are God's words to us, and so it doesn't do us any good to just have a Bible. We must read a Bible. And so I'm going to start reading in 1 John chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. We're going to read to the end of the chapter. And it says this. We have this up on the screen, too, if you need to follow along. It says, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he's given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Verse 17, by this Love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Therefore, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Thank God. For fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, well, he's a liar. For he doesn't love his brother whom he has seen, or he who, for he who, excuse me, does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So let's just pray before we begin. Father, we, just, we ask you, Lord, for help and understanding First of all, Lord, that we would receive the love that you're talking about, the love that you give us, that it would be real to us in our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that this love would heal our mind, it would heal our heart, it would heal our bodies. Lord, help it to transform our lives. Lord, help it to make us show the image of you, to be these image bearers that we are to be in the earth. Help us, God, to be conduits of your love to others and to just to make it a full life for ourselves too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here, when you read these verses, reading again about God is love. We said this last week that in the book of 1 John, the word love or something like a, a, a meaning of love, God loveth, depending on your translation, is used about 51 times. That's actually the most the word love is used in any of the writings in the New Testament. So John's getting, trying to get something across to us about love. And he, he was dubbed the apostle of love. But like we said last week, he didn't understand the love of God right off the bat. Thank God, because it gives us all courage. Because we don't understand the love of God right off the bat. We use this word love like we said last week. But we love pizza. We love dogs. You know, we, we love people. We love to go on vacation. We use this word love for everything. And the word agape love has a different meaning than just a warm, fuzzy love that makes me feel good. It's a sacrificial love. It's a love that actually you may not feel real great in giving it, 
because you're giving of yourself, you know, and until we get used to this, like dying to our flesh, the agape love sometimes, it's, just, it's hard. And John, I, I believe just because Jesus had named James and John, his brother, the sons of thunder. Now, why would you be named the sons of thunder if you didn't have this thunderous personality? I mean, they were the two that were like, should we call fire down on the Samaritans, Jesus? Because like they didn't, they mistreated you. They were rude to you. And Jesus was like, you don't know what spirit you're of. So he was going to teach us all about what the love of God was really about. And then I think, you know, John was part of the disciples that was disputing about who would be the greatest. I mean, his mother actually in one of the gospels says he went, the mother went and said, can my sons James and John sit at your right hand and your left when you come into your kingdom? It's like, Jesus, like, he was so patient. Think about it. He understood what this was all about. And he said to, to, to James and John, who, or, who went up to him and said, you know, can we sit at your right and he left hand? And he's like, you don't know what you're asking. Can you be baptized with the baptism I'm about to be baptized with? Like, Jesus knew he was going to go and be crucified unjustly on a cross. He's like, do you understand what it's going to take to sit at my right hand and my left? But then he said... Something that was pretty amazing. And they, I guess their answer, though, was like, they actually said, because I was rereading, it's like, yeah, we're able. <laughs> Don't you love it? Man's pride, you know, I, I can do it. I can do it. Jesus is like, well, okay. If you really want to be greatest in the kingdom, you know, you're going to have to become the servant of all. You're, and, and I don't think they understood that. Like, you're going to have to become, take the lowest seat, become the, the lowest of all. And I can just imagine them standing there, kind of, you know, everything went silent. Like, what exactly does that mean, to become the lowest of all? Because he said to them, then, I'm in your midst, not as one who's to be served, like the Gentile kings. You know, the, to them, a king was somebody who sits down on a throne, and everybody comes and bows down and serves him. And Jesus certainly was worthy of that. But he was expressing the agape love of God. This was going to be a sacrificial love given to people who didn't deserve it. And actually it would break the power of darkness, would actually break the power of pride of the devil. It's kind of interesting how humility broke the power of pride. But he said, I'm in the midst, not like a Gentile overlord king who's going to be served, but I'm here to serve you. And, and I think, think about the Last Supper, what happened at the Last Supper. He, he dons a towel, he puts it around his waist, and then he gets this basin of water, and he starts going up to the disciples, and it's like, take your, take your sandals off, I'm going to wash your feet. He'd kneel down. You'd have to kneel down to wash somebody's feet, and he said, took the apron, and he wiped their feet. He's expressing the love of God, this kind of servant-hearted love. In fact, just quickly, if you in your Bible, we're in first time, but go to the Gospel of John. I just want you to lay your hand or your eyes on that, John 13. Because when we begin to understand what Jesus means by love, and when we read this word love, we start to get word pictures of it. It helps us in our own life. John 13, verse 13. I mean, this is. When he did it, he said, you know, do you understand what I've done? And I'm sure they were like, no, because even Peter said, don't, Lord, you can't wash my feet. Like, you're the Lord. And Jesus said, like, you call me teacher and Lord. This is verse 13, and you're right, for so I am. But if, look what he says, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, what does he say? You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I've done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. So in other words, Jesus is our master. We are like a servant in that sense. But a servant is not greater than his master. So we can't say, well, I'm, I'm not going to do that. If the master did it, you know, nor, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. So if you know these things, blessed are you if what? If you do them, this is the hard part. This is the hard part to wash the feet. I mean, think about it. Here's the son of God stooping low to wash his disciples' feet. One of the 12 was Judas. 
who he knew would betray him. He knew it, and he still did that. And then within days like of that moment, John would see Jesus let himself, he let himself, he laid down his life, be brutally, you know, crucified unjustly on a cross. Why did he do it? I mean, he had to, he had to start putting this stuff together because he penned the gospel of John where he wrote, you know, that he heard Jesus say as Moses was lifted up, you know, on a pole in the wilderness, like a, a serpent on the pole, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever would believes in him would, bring, would, would give eternal life. Like, these things all started to, I'm sure at some point, make bigger sense to him. It's like he's looking at the cross thinking, this is what he meant by agape love. John was having to learn how, what it meant and how to give it, thinking about what Jesus did. So, Think about it. Agape love isn't some kind of just, I feel so good about doing this. I'm sure hanging on a cross wasn't like, I'm feeling, no. No. It's so different than the Americanized version of what we know of love. That's here today and gone tomorrow very often. It's, it's really, I mean, a lot of our love is a selfish love because it's something we're getting we're the benefit of it. I love you because you make me feel good, right? But if you bother me too much, <laughs> or you offend me, or I get tired of you, which isn't that easy to have happen. Just hang around people long enough. You're going to, people are going to get on your nerves. And it's so easy to just begin, I mean, look at the world, the cancel culture. Yay, you're, you know, you're famous one day, and the next day you're just shredded and put into a trash bin. You know, you're, I, we write people off when we decide you don't make me feel good anymore. See, this is not agape love. Or you treat people like a commodity, something to be bought or sold for sexual exploitation. If you have not seen The, the Sound of Freedom... The movie, The Sound of Freedom. Please, I highly recommend, we highly recommend that you go see that movie. It, it, it's not a movie for entertainment. We need to have our eyes open to what evil is going on in the world, and it's going to help us to pray, and it's going to help us to actually keep our eyes open to what we see around us and not be naive. Because it's like that line in the movie, God's children are not for sale. It's just such a, a powerful movie. And I, can, I thank God that his love, like when you begin to meditate on it, God's love is enduring. It's constant. He, he's, it's, he's patient. He's full of mercy. He's full of forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus is right. And verse 19 of the verses that we read, it says, we love because he first loved us. Like, he first loved us with this kind of love. This is what we have to keep meditating on. What kind of love? Because he, we were dead in our sin when he made an effort, made the, desire, the, the motivation to love us. I mean, I said this last week. It, like, God started this story. It's a love story. It is a love story. And he's invited you and me <laughs> into it. This isn't just about obedience, and we use the word servanthood. Yes, it's all part of expressing our love. But at the root of that is understanding what he did for us and why. Like some, some of us might say, well, I found God. You know, eventually I found God. But the, but the reality is God's love has been pursuing you all of your life. You know, and your eyes all one day, like listening to a message, were finally open. It's like, so we say, I found you. He's like, he's like saying, you finally see me. Like his love has been poured out at the cross for us to receive and then live in and let, our, let it actually transform our life. You know, God knew you. He knew you and he wanted you. He knew what you would be like. He knew what would happen in your life. And yet he said, I, I want you. I, the, 
There's a song by Misty Edwards. She wrote a song years ago. I knew what I was getting into when I called you. And I guess a little spoiler alert, we're going we're gonna to hear that song at the end of this message because it just fits so well. You know, sometimes when we read these verses like in 1 John and it's talking about give the, you know, share this love, love your brother. If we don't understand God's kind of love, then it's very hard to give the same love. And so I, we wanted to concentrate on this message uh, more, a little bit more on what's God's love really like. Because if we can take it in and let it soften our heart, because very often, you know, we, maybe we've had not so good role models in life, and we, we equate fatherhood, and we just have a certain mindset that comes. It's subconscious, but it's there, and it can sometimes make us resist the love of God. But God knew you. He knew what your life would be like, and he wanted you, and he knew what he was getting into when he called you. And it's proof. This is actually proof that God loves us. This was part of the verses that we read. The Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Even when we were at our worst, he wanted you to be a part of his family. And so we have to keep asking God, we're never going to understand this and actually have peace about it and walk in the joy of it unless we pray and ask the Holy Spirit, unveil my eyes to see it. We must ask. He's the teacher of the church. You're not going to get this with your natural mind because he loves you far more than we could even under, possibly understand. And so the reality is when you become a child of God, you are welcomed in, back into God's family. You know, this is why we use the word lost. Have you ever thought about that? You're lost. Where are we lost from? We're not just like lost, all of a sudden we come into the earth and we're just, <laughs> we're lost from God's original plan. And you're welcomed into the family when you're born again. Welcome back. God says, come and sit at my table. Like, come and dine with me. He says that in Revelation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And whoever opens the door, I'll come in and dine with him and sup with him. <laughs> like, he, he desires fellowship like that with us. True, real fellowship. Like, so you can talk with him honestly and openly without fear. Because he knows every part of you. He knows us better than we know ourselves. So we can look at Jesus and we can understand, you know, who God is. Because we do talk about God as a trinity. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And even though scripture, like we read that last week, no one has seen God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. And so we can know what God the Father is like. Turn, turn to John 14, you're in 13, go to 14, and look at verse 9, or verse 8 rather. John 14, verse 8. You know, Jesus was talking to the disciples saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. See, we're going back to the Father except through me. And then Philip, in verse 8, says, well, like, Lord, show us the Father. And that's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? So Jesus, think about what he did. He took on flesh so that we could... Be in the, in the presence of God. I, there are scriptures that say like our God is a consuming fire. He lives in unapproachable light. So in our mortal bodies, none of us are getting near to God in our mortal bodies. We're like a dry leaf, you know, like a, in the fall, a dry leaf that gets near a fire. What happens? We would literally be consumed. What is that from? It's, it's from his power and it's from his glory. His holiness, his purity. And so Jesus takes on flesh and he said, I only do the things and say the things my father tells me to say. And so when we look at Jesus, we, we read his word, we can understand who the father is. Jesus revealed him. Look at, you're in John, go back a few chapters to John chapter one. Look at verse 18. 
Nobody has seen God, it says, John 1.18. This is up, I think I have this on PowerPoint too. Yeah. No man has ever seen God at any time. But the only unique son, this is the Amplified, I think it just described this so well. The only unique son or the only begotten God who was in the bosom, in the intimate presence of the Father, this is talking about Jesus, he's declared him. He's revealed him and brought him out where he can be seen. He has what? He's interpreted him and he's made him known. Okay, so when we see Jesus and we, we want to know what the Father is like, well, look at the Gospels, read the Gospels. We begin to see, thank God he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. <laughs> I so what we see in there, in the Gospels of Jesus in particular, walking in the flesh, well, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then I want to show you one more about this too, because I think this is important that we understand that even though we cannot see the Father, Jesus has interpreted him. Hebrews 1, this is up on the screen, but again, I would encourage you, if you really want fellowship closer with God, you really do need to open the word of God and look at it yourself. It kind of says something to the Lord, I believe. It's like he's saying, you really do want to know me because you could just go, well, whatever. But anyways, Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, now we're in the last days. How is he speaking to us? He has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he created the world. Now, verse 3. Do I have verse 3 up there? Yeah, because I, I was changing this around this morning. I, I want to read from the Amplified. Yeah, I did put that up there. Verse 3 is from the Amplified. Verse 1 and 2 was great, but you know, the Amplified version is pretty wordy. But boy, sometimes it really expresses the meaning of what, what God is saying here. But, it, but verse 3 says this. This is talking about Jesus. Jesus is the sole expression of the glory of God. The light being, the outraying, or the radiance of the divine. And he's the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature. And what is he doing? He's upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. There's so much in that. Think of the power of his, that his word has. It's upholding the universe. It's upholding you. It's upholding all of us. Everything going on in the world. And so God is saying through these scriptures that he's speaking to us now through his son. Like, you want to know God we have, to, we have to go to his word because Jesus, who is the word of God, God is going to speak to us. He's, he's saying, in these last days, I'm speaking to you through my son. And he's like, well, how will we do that? Well, Jesus is the word of God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. And so the, this holy book, living words in this book, so how do you get to know somebody in the natural? Yeah, you, you, you live with them every day. Like you live with somebody every day, you really do get to know them, don't you? All the little quirks, all the... <laughs> you get to know people when you live with them. And the only way you can know the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ is by meeting with him every day in the Word. A little bit of time. A little bit of time goes a long way. If we seek first his kingdom, we put him first, he'll honor that. It's like, well, I can talk to you. You know, you can get on your phone. You could look some on social media. And a lot of people do. First thing they wake up and they're clicking, scrolling through. No. Give, put him first place. Amen. Talk to him first. Get to know him through his word. Because his word is going to reveal who he is. His word is going to reveal his plan and purpose for the earth. And it's going to reveal the plan and purpose for your own life. How important is that? You're not going to find it on Instagram and Facebook. 
Whatever, you know, we're actually scrolling through what everybody else is doing. God's like, I want to show you what I have for you. <laughs> like, quit looking at their life. Look at me. Like, look at him, me and what I have for you. And so as you begin to read the word of God, you realize it's like what Jason was saying. There's purpose. Like, actually, God's working out a plan and a purpose in the earth. It's amazing the wisdom that you can gain. I don't care. You don't have to finish high school even if you just begin to read the word of God and ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand. And you have a significant part in it. You, know, you might feel like my life is not all that great or significant outwardly to the world, but it doesn't matter if God says you're my child. Like, you know people in high places, right? It's like, I know God. Like, God's my father. Yeah. And we're supposed to be expressions of this love. See, this is why I think, why we really wanted to concentrate on the love that God has given us because it's hard to express this to people when we haven't really taken in how beautiful the love of God is towards us. Like it says, we're his workmanship. You are his workmanship. Let's look at this scripture, Ephesians 2.10. We have it up on PowerPoint, but... This is a great one. You should have it underlined or highlighted somehow in your Bible, on your electronic device. You know, we are to be, we are in the earth. One of our purposes is to be an expression of God to people, depending on your personality, your giftings, where God has you in the earth, your sphere of influence. You're meant to be an expression of that to people. Not in our own strength. I mean, God begins to, he gives us the strength to do this. Ephesians 2.10, what does it say? We are God's own handiwork. We are his workmanship. Recreated in Christ Jesus. In other words, we're born born anew. Why? That we may do those good works which God predestined and planned beforehand for us. I remember when this began to come alive to me. It was like, oh my gosh, why didn't anybody tell us this in church? I went to church as a Catholic person all my life. You know, it was like, I never heard this. What? God has a plan for my life. I never even asked him. Maybe I should ask him. Why am I here? Like, what did you plan for me to do? Because you can become a Christian. You can be born again and still do your own thing. Right? Make up your own dream. I mean, we do this all the time. We just, you know, we, we do sort of what the world tells us to do. You finish school, maybe you go off to college, or you, you know, you learn a skill of some kind. Did I just lose my, did I lose yeah. something happen? <laughs> I don't, I can tell that it's not, maybe I'd use that. But you, you can be born again, and I think most people do this. They, they're born again, and then it's like, you, is, it still, is it working? No. Barely. Testing. <laughs> Good? No? Something? <laughs> we'll get another, hand, another helping hand back there, another skillful person. There, it sounds like it's better. Is that better? Yeah. Testing? Test? Yeah, that sounds better. All right. Are we recording? I guess that's the other thing that sometimes happens. <laughs> the recording goes off. and you. But we're, we, ha- we have to remember, I'm just going to continue on, that we cannot become born again and then just ask God to enter into our life. God, bless what I'm doing. I made up this plan and purpose for my life and I want you to come in and bless it. We often do that. We don't go to God. It's like actually the opposite. You know, that we have to remember like we're entering into his story. He's the one who started this. So when we get born again, it's like, okay, God, what did you have planned for my life? I bet you there's some of you in here that have never prayed and asked God that question. Because I, I, it's not him coming in to fit with my story. It's, come, it's me fitting into his story. And this can take you to unexpected places. Because now it's a walk of faith. And we're not used to that. Like, you know, depending on your personality, we like to know if, 
If I do A plus B, I'll get C. <laughs> and God's like, well, I want you to start with A and then I'll take you to B. Well, where's B? Well, I'm not gonna, you just go in A. It's like, what? <laughs> Has anybody walked with God very long and found that out? I mean, it's like up to age 35, I was basically doing that. You're writing your own story. You know, I went to university, then it became an RN, and it was like, oh, this is my career. This is what I'm doing. And but there was slowly, after a period of time, it was like, I don't know. I don't feel like this is, I don't, it wasn't just as fulfilling as it was. I became disillusioned in it. And I, I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, but it just seemed impossible. It was like, well, you're not going to give up a full-time salary working at the hospital to be a stay-at-home mom. That just seemed like an impossibility, but yet it kept seeming like God was saying, go in that direction, go in that direction. And I began to ask God, it was at this time that, you know, it's kind of interesting how all these divine things start to happen in your life to coordinate. And so you start asking God these questions about, we began to read the Bible. It was like, I didn't understand that this was in the Bible. You can ask him, what's your plan for my life? And then all of a sudden, you know, I began to realize he was saying, if you take steps of faith, I'll provide. It was like, how are you going to, you know, you ask God, how will you do that? Ever notice he just doesn't give you the answer right then? It's like, like Abraham, just take a step and just go and I'll lead you. It's like, that's not easy. But this is sometimes our walk of faith. And then it does seem like all of a sudden the devil just came on the scene and it's like when I'm thinking, I'm going to leave, I'm going to step out, and we're going you know, to trust God. And then all of a sudden, you get this, I had these offers for promotion. It was like, oh, if you stay, you know, we'll promote you, and you'll have more pay, and you'll have better hours and, as a nurse. And that's going to be really appealing as a nurse. And, but we began to continually read in the Word of God, and just through a number, I believe, of divinely coordinated steps, we knew God was saying, take a step of faith and leave your job. It was just the beginning of a call. Actually, in the ministry, we didn't even understand that yet, but it was a call into ministry. And, and then one of the greatest needs of our heart is to learn to trust the love that God has for us. Because if you don't trust his love, it's hard to take a step of faith. It's like, well, what if I step out here and you drop me? Have any of you ever felt like that? Yeah. And so our need for love begins the moment that you're born. I mean, it actually begins in the womb. They tell you that babies in the womb can know if, they feel, if they're feeling the mother's love. And, and we are meant to live in the consciousness that, of God's love towards us. This is actually what will make us whole. Scripture says he loved you before the foundations of the earth. That was a long time ago, before you even appeared. <laughs> and, you know, and so often we're living in like the consciousness of our failures. We're thinking about ourselves in the natural. And God's saying, I want you to think about who, I'm, who, who I see you to be. And so look, look at, I, I have here Ephesians 1, verses 4 to 6. I mean, way back in eternity past, in the mind of God, he knew you, and he decided to love you. Way back in eternity past. You know, like a mom who would be pregnant with a baby before the baby even appeared. You know, what was a mother who's pregnant looking at that, thinking about that baby? Like, I have good thoughts and plans towards you. Don't you? Yeah. That's the way God would have been. Ephesians 1, 4 to 6 it says, even as in his love, he chose us. He actually picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and set apart for him, consecrated and set apart for him and blameless in his sight, even above reproach before him in love. So he's looking at you from the beginning with a gaze of love. He's not looking at you even if we're dead in our sin going, oh, how awful you are. No. His gaze is love towards us. And it, it was then and it still is now. He sees all of our broken parts. 
And then we sometimes judge ourselves, well, I should be further along. Well, yeah, we should all probably be further along. (laughs) But if you're on your way, if you're just seeking, trying, you know, moving towards him, desiring to be more like him, then you're on your way. You know, I I remember Joyce Meyer gave that example of like an apple on a tree. She said, you know, like if a, a mature apple looks nice and red and juicy and it's like, we want to be that way. Well, what if I'm the green little just growing apple sour yet? And would God look at that and go, why aren't you red? Why aren't you juicy? Why aren't you? Well, I'm on my way. Give me enough time. Give you enough time. And we can turn, we can mature in this love and become like the red apple on the tree. But we cannot gaze at our faults and our failures and our shame and grow in love. It's just, you'll cancel it out. Look at verse five, it says, for he foreordained us. He destined and planned in love for us to be adopted and revealed as his own children through Jesus Christ. This was what? In accordance with the purpose of his will because it pleased him and was his kind intent so that we might be to the praise and the commendation of his glorious grace. In other words, his favor and mercy, which he so freely bestowed on us in the beloved. See, this, the unconditional love of God, it began with him. We love, we are doing our best to love because of the love that he's shown us. And then Jeremiah 31, you know, the truth is God never started to love you. Because in Jeremiah 31, it says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. It's always been there. It's hard to wrap our head around this. You have to meditate on it. You have to think about it. He'll never stop loving you. And he's never going to love you more tomorrow than he does today. Now that really kind of shook me. It was like, wait a minute. Even if I walk in obedience and the best I can, aren't you? Well, obedience, it pleases the Lord. And there is even reward in the end in judgment day for obedience. But it's not as though your obedience makes him love. I love you more than I love her because you're, you obey more. His love is not like that. It's unconditional towards, oh, excuse me, all of us. <laughs> he loves us all equally. <laughs> you know, I had this vision one time. It was just like spark of a little vision and it was, he, God was like confirming that to me. It was like this long table of majestic table. And there were, it was like this in this huge kingdom castle. And it went on forever. And there were seats on every side, beautiful, majestic seats. And there were people sitting in every seat on every side of the table. And it was like, I saw the, it was, I knew somehow in this instant, it just happened like this. I could just, it was as though the father was standing behind every child and, kiss it and then moved on and kept moving on and every child's face everybody at the table was just like gleaming with joy like and I thought you do love us all equally like the father was welcoming us all to his table to be equally loved and equally enjoying one another it was like this sense of competition just vanished it was like you aren't supposed to be competing with the person across the table from you you're just supposed to be enjoying the father's love together This is this unity, I believe, that God calls us to. That is just, it can be so foreign to our natural mind. And so I I think the only reason why sometimes it seems as though some people are walking in the love of God more is only because they've learned to be better receivers. You know? They've just learned to go, you know what? I'm going to accept this love. No sense in resisting it. I might as well just learn to be a receiver of it. And we do have to ask God for help in that. To just allow us to, you know, put our guard down and know that I can trust him. That I don't have to earn God's love. That he's given it to you freely. You know, it's, it's like the baby in the womb again. The baby in the womb isn't doing anything there to earn God's love. It's just there, right? Just being there. In fact, even the mom and dad would know that one day this child is not going to perform very well. It's going to drive me crazy. It's going to throw a tantrum, you know, in a store and maybe pull my hair out. And, but the love is still going to be constant there. 
And many of us struggle in this. I know I did. I, I struggled in it. Because, you know, the scripture says we have to come to know and believe in the love of God. I'm going to read that from verse 16 again, because this is important. This is the passage that we read in 1 John. So we've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. And we actually have to put faith in that love. Like actually exercise faith that he loves me. Have you ever asked God to help you to understand and feel his love? Have you? I hope you do. I hope that you do. Because, you know, people's opinions of you will change, but God's love for you is constant. And, and we didn't do anything to deserve it and earn it. And it takes a process of time. It will take time to renew your mind, to think about this and talk to, talk to God about it. Ask him about it to unveil your eyes to see it. Because the devil will be right there saying, you know, nobody likes you. You're weird. You're so different. And you're not important to God. How could you be important to God? Look what you've done. I mean, any of those things will want to push you away from the love of God. You know, years ago, I remember praying when I discovered these things, and we began praying these prayers for ourselves about the love of God. Like, show me, Lord. Like, I don't understand. I never, never knew that you knew me before the foundation of the world. You had a plan and purpose for my life. And I grew up in an alcoholic home. And, you know, my dad wasn't exactly the picture of expressing the love of, this kind of love of God, far from it. And, you know, for the most part, I feared him in many ways. I just wanted to kind of stay away from him. <laughs> Especially when he was drunk, you know, because... And it, there was just a lot of hidden shame and anxiety. If, any, if you've grown up in a home where there's some kind of addiction like this, it's so easy to have that happen. And because, you know, and you don't invite friends over, certainly, as a kid, because you just don't know what the atmosphere in the home's ever going to be like. You know, dad, he might come home drunk. Who knows what would happen, make a scene. So there's just this lot of hidden shame. You put on a face to the world, but inside you're hiding a lot of things embarrassment you just want to avoid. And I had been, you know, then, so here, here I am 30-some years later, and I'm reading the Word of God about these things, praying, God, show me, like, your love. And, you know, God does this in interesting ways. Like, again, like, all of a sudden, just like I described that one thing about the kissing of the heads, it was like, all of a sudden, just, I don't know, it was just out of the blue, he, I had a memory that just came back to me just in a flash. Like these things, how many of you have this stuff where it just comes in a flash? It was like, but, you, but the whole picture, the whole story is right there in that moment. And I remember I was walking home from school, this is grade school, and going through the woods path was just shorter to get to my house because the path took me through the woods right to my house. And then lo and behold, some of my friends said, oh, we're going to come with you and come your way. We're going to... And I remember, it was like the moment in the memory, it was like just standing there in shock because it was like, oh no, because if the kids came with me, we'd have to walk through my yard. It was like, what if that, my dad's home and what if it's, there's just a scene? It was like, and I knew in that moment, it was as though the Holy Spirit was showing me the fear and the anxiety and the, and then I, the whisper to my heart, he just whispered, I'm not like that. I'm not like that. And I knew what he was showing me because at the time we were learning to trust God. We were in Bible school and learning to trust God for a lot of things, money, finances, provision, just a multitude of things to learn to walk by faith. And I think, I think he knew that my, I was afraid to take the step with him because what if, what if you're like my natural dad? What if, you know, I take that step and everything falls through? And so that whisper, I'm not like that meant the world to me. <laughs> and he does these things. He has a way of speaking to us when we really want to know his love. He will show you things like that. Like Ephesians 3, I, this was, we put this up on this message, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. Powerful prayer that we all need to be praying for ourselves. We need to be praying this for our family, the people around us. You know, 
the church in Ephesus was a powerful church, a big church, and yet the Apostle Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this to the church in Ephesus that they would have a revelation of the love of God. So just because sometimes we're doing a lot of things in the church, we have a lot of activity going around, you know, we have a Bible and we have a church, doesn't necessarily mean we've had a... And this revelation is not a one-time thing, that we're growing in the revelation of the love of God. And so Paul wrote this, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He said, for this reason, I bend my knees before the Father. Notice he calls him the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. What's Paul praying? He says that he, would, he, meaning God, would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner self. In other words, inside of your spirit that you would be strengthened With what? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the height, and the depth. And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. So he's praying for, for us to know the love of God, the height and depth and breadth of it, that we have to have power to grasp it. This is not something you're going to just get by listening even to this message. You're going to, some of you, you know, the Holy Spirit's working on your heart. Like you're getting this little like, oh, oh. Do you want it to, if you want it to go deeper, we have to ask him to go deeper. Because look at verse 20, it says, now to him who is able to do what? Far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. According To what? The power that works within you, within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. So we want to experience the love. We want to be a conduit of this kind of love. Because when we are, then we're going to do works motivated by that love. It's not just, oh, I have to, I should do this. I mean, sometimes it just starts out with sheer obedience. But when we tap into the love of God and we, we see what he's done for us, then there's a strength that comes in doing it. And there's actually a joy and a fulfillment that comes in doing it. And then it says it gives us confidence for the day of judgment because we will all stand before God one day. I, say, I like this statement, you know, that someone once said, and it just stuck with me, that, you know, your most important day, your most important appointment is yet ahead, me and you. The day we stand before Christ and give an account of what we did with our life. And really what's going to matter is what we did in love. And serving others in love is what's going to matter to him. Because we're told over and over again that the faith, hope, and love abide. But what's the greatest? The greatest of these is love. It's love. Did, he's going to ask us, did you love other people well? Because sometimes we can do a lot of stuff. Like it says in 1 Corinthians 13, you know, and if I don't have love, it says I'm nothing. And so this perfect love God has towards us helps to cast out fear because our, the judgment for us is not about punishment. It's about rewards. We're going to stand before God one day and get rewarded for what we did. That's, a, that's an awesome thought. And so we are to love then and show the love of God to the people around us. But once again, I believe that so many times the church, I know I did, it's taken me years, and I'm just feel like often I'm scratching the surface with it, to receive the love of God. And the Holy Spirit will give us power then to receive and to give. And I I wanted to end this message. Yeah, we just, we do have time, good. Um, I want, I want us to listen to this song by Misty Edwards. This is going to play on a video. The words are going to be uh, to the song on the video. I knew what I was getting into when I called you. And I, I, I just pray that we would let the love of God wash over us as we just listen to the words to the song, let it minister to our mind and heart. And then um, I'll come back and just say a prayer before we close. I'll go ahead and you could start the video.
Praise God. Good song. I do pray that, that you just let that truth wash over your heart. And really, you need to, we need to do that over and over and over again. Just let his love penetrate our heart. We worship you, Jesus. We thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you that you've made us children of God. We thank you that you've invited us into your family. We thank you that you gaze at us with a heart of love. God, I pray that you would break down every resistance in our heart. You know the places, Lord. I pray that you would go in our hearts. We give you permission. And you do have to give him permission. You have to ask him, I, help me to open every door, every closed place, every window that's been shut. We pray, Holy Spirit, that your, your love would blow like a fresh wind in our heart. We open up every door, every window. Let the light of God's love shine in. Do a work that only you could do, Holy Spirit. We thank you for it because we do want to be conduits of your love. But first, we have to be good receivers. And we thank you that you know that and we thank you you're patient with us. We love you, Lord. We look forward to good things ahead as we walk with you. You say our path, the path of the righteous, shines brighter and brighter into that perfect day. So we thank you that you're with us. You're for us. You're not against us. We worship you, Jesus. And if there's anybody here, it's just I want to give an invitation to know him by way of salvation. If anyone is here or at the sound of my voice online, you want to give your life to Christ. Salvation is a gift. It's nothing you can earn, nothing you'll deserve. It comes freely, but you do have to respond to the gift giver. And so if you want to open up your heart and say, I want to receive salvation this morning, it's as easy as a genuine prayer. And just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Make me a new creation. Forgive me of my sin. Show me the purpose that you have for my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.